With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This month's sponsor of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. The Integrity Audit. Yet another way to consider using audit for continuous improvement is through the Integrity Audit. Mary Jo White, former commissioner of the Securities and Exchange Commission, in an article entitled, What I've Learned About White-Collar Crime, provided insight not only into white-collar criminals, but the integrity of companies. Her framework lays out a way for you to think through an underutilized tool for continuous improvement, the integrity audit. White first addressed the question of why senior executives would engage in financial fraud or or engage in bribery and corruption, or even facilitate bribery and corruption. She said, part of the motivation is greed, of course, but there's more to it. The piece that the public underestimates, and indeed companies underestimate, is ego. Many of the people who commit these crimes have been successful and do not want to fail or even to be seen to be failed. Very often the market has turned on them, but they still need other people to see them as successful. There's often a financial motive, but in a highly charged business environment where there are temptations, you have to account for human nature and the need for status and continued success as well. Jonathan Marks has defined this characteristic as arrogance and made it one of the five prongs on his fraud pentagon. Marks defines arrogance as... Arrogance or the lack of conscience is an attitude of superiority and entitlement or greed on the part of a person who believes that corporate policies and procedures simply do not apply to them. This person, perhaps fueled by today's obscene compensation structures, has complete disregard for the consequences bestowed upon his or her victims. Competence and arrogance play a major role in determining whether an employee today has what it takes to perpetrate a fraud. Combining White's observations with Mark's definition, and you see how CEO character does matter as well. 
One way to address this is the integrity audit. While noting that compliance programs are important, White feels it comes down to culture and, more importantly, integrity. She noted that compliance programs are important, but what really matters is culture and the tone a leader sets for an organization. That's often more of an effective way to increase the odds that lapses don't happen. She provided the example of the ostrich-ridden chief executive when she wrote, In the aftermath of a scandal, some leaders will claim they didn't know what was going on. Sometimes that's true is true. But when it is, you have to ask if the leader built a communication system that's designed to bring up bad news to his or her level, or if the system is designed to insulate leadership. Every company, public company, is mandated to have hotlines for whistleblowers. The problem is rarely do such allegations reach to the board of directors, the audit committee, or the compliance committee, or the CEO. As Kyle Welch demonstrated in his seminal work, companies with robust reporting systems, where senior executives actively seek out complaints and allegations, have a much stronger compliance and ethics culture. Unfortunately, as Mary Jo White observed, in contrast, some hotlines seem designed to give leaders plausible deniability. We have a system for reporting complaints, and there haven't been any. Leaders have to ask, why is that? Why are reluctance? Why are employees reluctant to come forward? Is it the fear of retaliation? It is interesting to note that Wells Fargo suffered from both problems at the same time. The first was a company had a large number of employees who came forward to warn about fraudulent accounts in the bank. However, that information was never sent up the line to the CEO, the board of directors, or the audit committee. Even worse, the whistleblowers were actively retaliated against by the company through terminations and then fighting these wrongful acts. Without senior leaders leading in the area of integrity, there is little chance a company can make a comeback from a white-collar incident. If you're a new leader in an organization, let people get to know you as a leader and your integrity and your values. That is one of the key takeaways from Mary Jo White and her article. One vital marker of an integrity culture is whether there is a really a zero tolerance for wrongdoing. Many companies claim to have one, but when high producers or senior people break the rules, the leaders may go easy on them, either for business reasons or out of loyalty. That undermines everything. You cannot simply rely on compliance and audits. <clears throat> you have to be willing to punish people who cross the line. To build a culture of integrity, you have no choice but to follow through on your zero-tolerance promise. Just don't talk the talk, walk the walk. You really need to take what Mary Jo White and Jonathan Marks have said to heart. These ideas are not new, revolutionary, or even the least bit controversial. Yet integrity is not often considered by compliance professionals. With the Business Roundtable's statement on the purpose of a corporation, integrity has been driven up to the forefront of the raison d'etre of a corporation. Failing to have integrity at the top or down or even through your organization can lead to significant corporate calamity. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, the integrity audit is an underutilized tool. Two, ego and arrogance of a CEO can lead to disaster. And three, a robust reporting culture can demonstrate and facilitate integrity in your organization. Do you promote those who report? I hope you'll join us again tomorrow where we take up another topic 
in continuous improvement of 31 days to a more effective compliance program. As a call to action, I would ask that you tell one of your colleagues about this podcast series on the nuts and bolts of compliance, 31 days to a more effective compliance program, and this month's topic of continuous monitoring. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and this month's sponsor is Affiliated Monitors. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow for another episode in 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.